Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Baby. Hello and welcome everyone to Spark the Debate. This is our first real podcast episode. For those of you that don't know, my name is Sam. I'm Dylan. And some of our listeners know us from Instagram at Spark the Debate, where we've been posting Instagram Live. So if any of you want to go back and check our content, you can on there. From now on, our new listeners, you can hear us on SoundCloud here at Spark the Debate or on other applications. We'll let you know if we use them. Um, so to get right into it, our first topic is going to be the Boston Celtics. We had Game 5 last night, so what are some of your takeaways from the game? Yeah, I thought the Celtics showed great mental toughness and fight. They trailed by 12 in the first half, and I honestly thought they were going to pack it up, but instead they fought back. Yeah, for sure. I like the fight that they showed, too. Um, I was questioning that in the first half. They came out really slow, but I felt the third quarter was the we-don't-want-to-go-home quarter. They really came out strong put up 41 points in the quarter, which was the most of any quarter in the postseason, led by Tatum, who had 17, so that was great to see. Yeah, that third quarter was the first time we've seen Celtics basketball in a long time. Outscored the Heat 41-25, to defense turned it up. That's really what turned this series around. I thought the Celtics' defense was great in that game. They held the Heat to 24.8% on threes, and, and that's in the last 13 quarters of the series. And last night, they were 19% from three. I just think the Heat looked flustered. They were turning the ball over. There was that play where Jimmy Butler and here were going for a handoff, and they completely lost it. The Heat just looked out of sorts. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Celtics' defense has a big part of that as well. Um, and their offense looked pretty decent. They were led by the Jays, Jason and Jalen, who had 31 and 28. But I still think they need that third score, you know. I want to see Kemba pick it up. We've been saying he needs to play better all postseason. But now they're two games away from the finals and on the brink of elimination. We need Cardiac Kemba to show up. Yeah, and also it would be nice to see Hayward step up. He's kind of been a liability in this series. But I think going off what you said about Jalen Brown, he seems to be the guy that always shows up no matter the situation. Whenever the Celtics have been down in this series, I really feel that Jalen Brown has been the one guy that stepped up and said, I'm not going home. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he's been playing great throughout the whole postseason, putting up um, 22 points per game, seven rebounds, couple assists. So he's been playing great on both ends of the floor. And also the biggest key for Brown has been his attacking the paint. He had 28 points last night and 16 of them were in the paint. I love when Jalen Brown gets to the rim because it just it's when he takes his game to another level. Yeah, for sure. And I think that just goes for the Celtics team as a whole. Like they need to stop settling for these threes. Like in the beginning of the first quarter last game, we saw it. they're settling. I think they're one for eight threes to start off. They need to get to the hoop, and once they get got that going, then they can step out and hit some threes. And also my final takeaway was that Jason Tatum continues to and will always show up in elimination games. He had 31 points, 10 rebounds, and six steals. He's taken his game to another level, and he shows up when he needs to. This postseason in elimination games, he's had 28 and 15, then he had a 29 and 14 game, then a 29 and 12, and then last night 31 and 10. But it's, we've also seen some good production from the role players. Um, Smart has played good. Tice has been decent. I actually have a stat here. Who do you think played the most minutes in the second half? I mean, I'd think maybe Tatum. Yeah, it wasn't Tatum, it wasn't Brown, it wasn't Kemba. It was Daniel Tice. He played 23 minutes and 21 seconds out of the 24, and he had 11 points, 10 boards just in the second half. So we need, we need to see continued production from our role players like Tice and Smart because you know the Heat are going to get it from guys like Hero, Robinson, Crowder, Dragic. All their role players have been playing good, so we need to step it up as well. 
Yeah, and before we get into this series as a whole, I think we should talk about going forward, what do we expect from this team? Do we think they can pull off this 3-1 comeback? I mean, me, I've been trying to be optimistic um, with this team. I think that the Heat are an inferior opponent. I think we have the star power. We have the talent over them. And I continue to have hope. I mean, we've seen them blow some games, but I think last night they showed that when they're playing their basketball, they're definitely the better team. So we just got to put it together for two more games. Yeah, I think that if we cut the rotation and we trust our star players, I want to I wanna lose knowing I at least left all my top players out there. So I think if we continue to trust Brown and Tatum to score for us and be there for us, we'll have a chance to come back. Yeah, for sure. So getting into the series as a whole now, I mean, we talked, we mentioned it slightly, but we blew two, two leads in games one and two. Then we came out with a strong showing in game three. Then we kind of saw a quitter mentality when they gave up in game four. And then again, we saw a strong showing in the second half of game five. Like, what are your thoughts about this ups and downs of the Celtics team? Yeah, I mean, I think that we can both agree that this could have easily been a sweep. I mean, game one, you had a 14-point lead. Game two, 17-point lead. Their in-game win probability in game one topped out at 96%. In game two, it was 94. I just, I don't think a team has ever lost with that high win probability. It's just, it's shocking. Yeah, it is. And it just shows a lack of heart, a lack of effort, and a lack of that killer mentality to finish those games out. The series definitely could have been over if they just put some complete games together. But what do you blame that on? Do you think it's the play of the stars? Is it the play of the role players? Is it the coaching? I just I think it comes down to the balls you as have as a player. The Celtics have been poor with closing games and they, they just they look tight in the fourth quarter and it and it felt like in game two that they just felt the inevitable was coming, like, oh, we can't we can't close games. We always blow leads, so oh it's just the usual, we're ready for it. Yeah, for me, I mean, I want to put it on the Stars. I think this is a Stars league, and they need to perform in the fourth quarter and in crunch time. Tatum and Kemba, and even Brown, like, I feel like they've been shying away from the moment. Like, none of them is demanding the ball in the fourth quarter and trying to get us a bucket every possession. Like, they kind of just, like do their own thing and no one's really put their foot down and said give me the ball and it's like even in game three you have a great showing you lead by as many as 20 but then in the fourth quarter you let them cut the lead to five with four minutes left you just gave the heat hope for game four that was such a bad showing in that fourth quarter yeah for sure it's just not good enough they need to clean it up in the fourth quarter and the big reason why they're losing is turnovers the celtics have had six losses this postseason in those games 92 turnovers it's just, it's unacceptable. You have to take better care of the basketball. Yeah, 100%. Especially the Miami has played a lot of zone. Like, really, what are we in middle school? Like, we should be able to beat a zone defense easily. Like, the Heat's defense is good. Give them credit. But, like, the Celtics' offense needs to be better. They need to clean up those turnovers. It's like, how come two series in a row you're NBA players and you're letting a box in one and then a zone defense, like, affect you? Yeah, like, really? it's pretty pathetic. It is. Um, overall, how do you think the Stars have performed throughout the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I think first we have to talk about Jason Tatum. He's established himself as a top 15 player and clearly the Celtics guy for the future. Give him the super max right now. Yeah, for sure. Tatum's been playing great. He's been averaging 26 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists throughout the postseason. Yeah, he's taken his game to another level. He's, he's upped his assists from the regular season by three, his rebounds by three, and his points per, by two. It's just he's truly becoming that elite player that we all expected. He's averaging more rebounds per game than Anthony Davis. His, and his playmaking has truly taken the next step. Like, he's looking for other guys. He's setting people up. And his postseason ranks are incredible this year compared to the rest of the league. He's fifth in points, third in rebounds, eighth in 
eighth in assists, third in blocks, fourth in double doubles, and his plus minus is fifth. He has been putting himself among the all-time greats. He's the only player in NBA history with five career postseason games with 25-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, and five-plus assists before turning 23. And before the age of 23, he joins LeBron and Kobe as the only players to have at least 23 playoff games with 20-plus points before turning 23. Tatum also joined Tim Duncan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only players in NBA history to put up 29 points, 12 rebounds, and five assists in three straight playoff games. You want one more, Sam? Yeah. What do you got? Players in NBA history to average more than 17 points per game in both the regular and postseason under 23 years old, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Magic Johnson. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, Tatum certainly putting his name in that with some great players with his numbers, but I still, in an area that he can improve, I still think he, he needs to step it up in the fourth quarter. He's really struggled in the fourth quarter. In this series against the Heat, in the final five minutes, he's one of five, he's one of nine from the field. Then you have Smart, who's one of five, and Brown, who's one of three. The stars have to show up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Kemba has also obviously been struggling all postseason. I mean, he's putting up decent numbers. He's averaging 19.6, four rebounds, five assists. I mean, that's decent, but I just feel like it's not what we thought we were getting when we signed him to a max contract. Yeah, I mean, he shot poor for three. He's had some games where he was like one of six from three. I just think that we expected cardiac Kemba from UConn and like the bright lights, and we just haven't gotten it. So I, I wonder if it's this problem with his knee, or I just wonder if he's just flat out sucking. Yeah, hopefully he can clean that up in the final two games. Um, but going off the players a little bit, how much of this is on Brad? Do you think Brad has been outcoached in the postseason? I think it's been pretty obvious that he's been outcoached now two series in a row. Nick Nurse and Eric Spolstra have just coached circles around him. Um, yeah, I mean, you've seen it with Spolstra going zone, inserting the right guys into the lineup, and then Brad Steven just stays with his roots and he doesn't want to change anything. Yeah, I mean, specifically, you've seen the Celtics struggling uh, defending the pick and roll all postseason. They're, they seem to be stuck in this thing where they have to switch every pick and roll, and it's been biting them. You've seen a bunch of Bam out of bio lobs and easy buckets off the pick and roll. Yeah, for sure. So I think you owe an apology to the Miami Heat or their fans. Yeah, so Miami Heat fans, I know we have a few uh, that listen to us. I'd like to issue a public apology to Miami Heat. I, I trashed them all year. I thought it was rightfully so, but now this postseason, they proved me wrong. I thought they had no chance against Milwaukee and especially against us, but I got to give them credit. Jimmy Butler's balling out, Tyler Hero. They got a good squad, and they're looking like they're in the driver's seat to get to the finals. Yeah, for sure. Um, going off the playoffs a little bit, like, how do you think the neutral site has affected the playoffs? Do you think it's giving um, inferior opponents a better chance to win, or how does the bubble affect the play? Yeah, this was a great question sent in by Easton, one of our listeners. Um, the neutral side have affected the playoffs because you lose the crowd energy. Like I feel like this is a big reason as to why the Celtics have blown leads because they don't have that like garden energy to pick them up when they're losing a lead, so other teams can just sense that and fight right back in. Yeah, for sure. We know how electric the Garden can get back in, whether they're winning going on a big run or whether they're losing and need a little boost. Like, it's a totally different vibe with no fans, for sure. And also, I feel like if you would have had to go to Toronto for a Game 7, you probably would have lost, so the Celtics benefited in that sense. But then also in this series, I feel like you could have easily swept if you were at home the first two games. Yeah, for sure. 
So moving on to the NBA in general, we recently saw the Clippers, who we both picked to win the finals. Um, they had probably one of the biggest choke jobs in NBA history. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a top three biggest choke in NBA history. It's not on the same level as Golden State because it wasn't in the finals, but I thought there was no way they could lose. And then it just shows they're the most fraudulent team in NBA history. Kawhi absolutely shrinked in the, in the biggest moments. And there was a report that in the fourth quarter of Game 7 that all of their players were fatigued. Why would you load manage the entire season and then you need breaks and you're fatigued in the fourth quarter? What are the most sackless, fraudulent teams in NBA history? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, before the season, I looked at the roster on paper and I was like, they're by far the best team. Like, I just couldn't see them winning. They have the role players. They have the bench players. They have the shooters. They had Kawhi and Paul George, but they just completely fell apart at the end there. Yeah, and in Game 7, Kawhi has 14 points and Paul George only has 10. Like, you need more from them. Paul George, 0.0 assists in the fourth quarter. Like, they gave up so many first-round picks for a guy who just scored zero points in the biggest game of the season. It's, it's pathetic. And they now have no control of their first-round pick for the next seven years. That franchise is ugh, not looking good. Yeah, for sure. Game 7 and your two best players, Kawhi and Paul George, are minus 20 and minus 21, respectively, when they're on the court. That is just not what you were hoping for as a Clippers fan. Um, so you've been known to say that Kawhi had the title of best player in the world. Has this changed your look on that? Yeah, it has. I mean, Kawhi got worse in this series. I thought based on his postseason run last year, he deserved the best player in the world title, but now I have to take it back because he only averaged five points in the fourth quarter of the series. He was terrible at the end, and I think LeBron has clearly showed that he's the best player still. So it's upsetting, but Kawhi doesn't deserve it anymore. Yeah, for sure. And LeBron's postseason run has been very solid, and he's looking well on his way to his fourth title, putting up numbers of 26, 10, 9 assists. Like, have you been surprised, or like, did you think LeBron was going to come out like this? I'm not surprised. I thought LeBron was going to eventually lose to the Clippers, but now that he, he's on his way to his fourth title, I think it's good for him. It's, it's nice to see an all-time great player playing well. I mean, he's playing at an insane level. He's clutching the fourth quarter. He's guarding the other team's best player. He's actually taking the challenge, unlike Kawhi. Like, I just think his, what he's doing right now is impressive. Yeah, for sure. But it's been impressive. But do you think if he wins this, um, he takes the leap over Jordan in the GOAT? goat debate or is he still number two for me I think he's number two still I think he's the clear number two though no one comes close but I'd be fine if anybody says that he's the goat because that fourth title is impressive especially in this bubble setting but for me personally he needs to get a fifth yeah and I think a lot of our listeners or followers on our page agree with that when we put up a poll before uh 69 percent of people said that even if LeBron wins his fourth title this year Jordan is still the goat um but just going along the lines of the Lakers, the Nuggets um, have come back from 3-1 deficits, two series in a row now, and they're down, they find themselves down 3-1 again against the Lakers. Do they have a chance, or because LeBron is their opponent this time, is this series as good as over? This series is over. I mean, it's, it's LeBron James we're talking about. He's not going to blow a 3-1 lead. He's got tunnel vision. He sees the fourth title in sight. It's over tonight. It's over. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I 
I have a hard time counting the Nuggets out because I did it the first two times, especially against the Clippers. I did not see them coming back. So, like, they, I feel like they might have some fight left in them. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think LeBron's going to let that happen. Yeah, I'd have more faith in the Celtics pulling off through on comeback right now than the Nuggets. I think the Celtics are in a better position because they're not going against LeBron James. Yeah, for sure. Again, yeah, I think the Celtics have a better chance just because they're the ones playing against an inferior opponent. I truly believe they're more talented than the Heat, and they just need to get it together for these last two games and put a full 48 together. Yep. All right, so now we're going to transition into our third topic, which is the NFL and specifically the Patriots. Um, we saw them win week one in Miami and then lose week two to Seattle. So what were your thoughts about week two? Yeah, I thought the Patriots came out strong, you know, playing against Seattle, a Super Bowl contending team. I thought it was very impressive that you went toe-to-toe with them and you battled back in the fourth quarter coming back from 12 down. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they showed good fight, but it was definitely a different team than Miami. The first drive, you could tell this defense was seeing a totally different breed of a quarterback. Uh, they look, The defense looked good week one against Fitzpatrick, but Wilson ran down the field in his second drive and had that great touchdown pass on the run. Yeah, for sure. I thought Seattle really exposed your linebacking core. You really saw the losses of Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, and Jamie Collins. Wilson was able to run around because our linebackers can't run. They are slow, and they were also able to run the ball well. Seattle rushed for 154 yards. It's going to be hard to stop a team when you're giving up 154 rushing yards. Yeah, for sure. We definitely saw some defensive struggles, which we're not really accustomed to last year. They were pretty solid. Yeah, this is a major concern moving forward because our linebackers are so slow, and we play all the good mobile quarterbacks this year. We still have to play Lamar, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, so this is something that the Patriots are going to have to address now. Yeah, for sure, but luckily the offense is looking good. Cam has been cooking. The Patriots look like they made the right decision snagging him. I don't know what the other teams were thinking, but he was talking a big game about how motivated he is and how ready he was to prove his haters wrong, and he's backing it up with his play thus far. Yeah, it's no longer let Russ cook, it's let Cam cook. Going off your point about the receivers, I do think that right now the way the Patriots are currently constructed, they can't win a Super Bowl. But if they trade for an Allen Robinson or an Odell Beckham, that immediately vaults them into Super Bowl contention. So I would hope that they're willing to make that move. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been good to see um, Cam throwing it to different guys. Last week we saw multiple receivers with multiple catches. And if we don't have that stud receiver, that's what you got to do. You got to do it by committee. And it's good to see that Cam has confidence in all of them. Um, he was asked in an interview if they need to make that trade for a piece, and he said the answers are in that locker room. So if he has trust in, that, in these guys, that's good to see. Yeah, that's a great point because if the Patriots don't trade for a receiver, that's how you're going to have to win is by committee, both in the running back position and at the wide receiver position. Yeah, for, definitely. So now we're going to do uh, what will be a recurring segment, which is called three up, three down. Yeah, so three up, three down is just you pick your top three players from the game and then your three worst players, and it's from my favorite radio show, Felger and Maz. So to get right into it, my first up is Cam Newton. He's been amazing for the Patriots in all phases. He had 397 passing yards, which were the most by Patriots quarterback since Tom Brady in the Eagles Super Bowl in 2017. He's throwing the ball great. He's got good velocity, and the accuracy is there. He's completing over 70% of his passes, which is way above his career high average. And I think he's running the ball great as he had two rushing touchdowns. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw him have 155 yards um, throwing in game one and then 397 yards in game two. He's throw that in with the rushing, and he's looked great. And just to, what I want to show to Patriots fans is like, look, he led the team down the field twice. You're down 35 to 23 with four minutes left. He marches you down 85 yards, touchdown. The second drive, he leads you 90 yards, and you're within one yard of winning the game. Some, that's something that last year's team would have quit. This year, Cam Newton brings the team down and look. Okay, now my second up is Julian Edelman, career high, 179 receiving yards. He was torching Jamal Adams, and he looked great running deep. I think this is going to be a rebounding year for Julian Edelman. My third up is Rex Burkhead. I thought he caught the ball well out of the backfield. He had four catches for 47 yards, and I think he allows you to get rid of Sonny Michelle. So now moving on to my downs, I have Juwan Bentley, who is a bona fide scrub. I don't know why he was given the captain position. He's honestly slower than you, Sam. <laughs> and he can't cover running backs or tight ends, and he's just getting torched by Russell Wilson, and he will continue to get torched by every quarterback. Number two, I have Stephon Gilmore, who got beat on a deep touchdown by DK Metcalf, and he struggled with his size. I think Gilmore has been shaky so far this year, and I worry that this is going to be a decline year because he had two penalties last week, and then he gives up a touchdown this week. Yeah, for sure. That's been um, tough to see Gilmore. I mean, obviously, he's coming off winning defensive player of the year. He's been the top cornerback in the league. And then he's come out this year, and he struggled in game two. But we know he has the capability. He has the smarts. So hopefully he can figure things out moving forward. Yeah, and my final down is Sonny Michelle. I think he does absolutely nothing for this team. He's a first-round bust. You could have had Lamar Jackson over him. And uh, he had 17 carries. He had seven carries for 19 yards, and he just he can't catch out of the backfield and he can't block. So my new take is that I think the Patriots should trade Sony Michelle now and get out from under his contract. Overall, how's your confidence level about this Patriots team moving forward? Yeah, I think it, it's good right now. I think I'm in a good place with the Patriots. They're showing that they can compete with anyone, but I have no expectations for this team. So I just want a good product, an easy watch, and I think they give you that, and that's all I ask for post Brady. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've shown it, and they showed it last week that they're going to go out there and compete. And I think in the post-Brady era, that's all we can ask for. We just want a team that is fun to watch and that's going to go out there and compete. So how do you think Cam's impact um, on the Pats' offense has been? I think he's been great for the receivers because he's putting in an effort to connect with them. I think with this year's team, Brady would have not wanted to connect with the new receivers like Adamier Bird, but the fact that Cam's willing to do that really allows our offense to thrive. Yeah, so in that sense, do you think Cam is better suited for this offense than Brady was? I do because I think he's willing to make a connection with Nikhil Harry and give him confidence moving forward because that's a first-round talent that we need to develop. So I think Cam, and he, and he has a scramble factor. He gives receivers extra time to get open, so it really helps the offense. Yeah, he definitely has a skill set that Patriots fans are not accustomed to, and he's been playing good. But with that, do you think Cam can sustain playing at this high of a level? I think it's going to be really hard to sustain this level because he's playing at almost a higher level than his MVP year. But I think he can stay healthy. I'd like to see the Patriots use him only running in short yarded situations or at the goal line, and I'd like to see them use him to throw more. Yeah, and another reason that Cam has been able to have success in the first two weeks was the play of the offensive line. They've been playing great. Um, he, they've opened up holes for him to run and given him time to throw in the pocket. 
Uh, do you think this is one of the biggest keys for the Pats moving forward? I do. The Patriots have arguably the best offensive line in football. They have Isaiah Wen at left tackle, who's finally playing like a first-round talent. He hasn't a lot of pressure this year. And then you have Joe Tooney, who still has not a lot of sacks since 2017. So your offensive line is just balling out right now. So getting into the Raiders week three, um, the Raiders are 2-0. and What are you looking for? I think this is going to be a good rebound game for the Patriots, a nice little victory. I'd like to see how the Patriots' secondary responds. They got torched last game, and I think this is a game where they could get a couple interceptions. There's going to be some um, key guys out for each team. No David Andrews uh, for the Pats, so that'll be tough on the offensive line. But there's also no rugs for the Raiders, so that takes away one of their deep threats. How do you think that's going to affect the game? Yeah, I think no Henry Ruggs helps the Patriots because that's a deep threat that they don't have to worry about. So I'd like to see them run more cover zero because the Raiders are going to be without their left tackle. So I'd really like to see the Patriots be more aggressive and blitz. For sure. So overall, what do you think? Easy win for the Pats? Is it going to be a tough game? What do you think? I think this should be an easy game. I think Cam Newton should be able to get some early scoring touchdowns, and then you'll be able to just run the football, control the clock, and get a nice little victory. All right. Let's hope. We'll see Sunday. But to conclude the episode, we're going to um, go to our Brady Watch, which will also be a recurring segment as most of our listeners are New England fans that are still rooting for Brady and want to have an update on him. Yeah, so I think a lot of people have been down on Brady. I'm personally not one of those. I think he's looked surprisingly well. I know he's had some interceptions, but a lot of them weren't his fault. He's also had a lot of drops. No other quarterback in the NFL has had more drops by receivers than Brady. Like you saw last week, a couple of his receivers dropped wide open touchdowns. I just think it's going to take time. He's in a new system, but the Buccaneers will be there at the end of the year as a team to win it all. For sure. So you're going to blame the struggles on the new system, not his old age? Yeah, I think that he, he's still throwing the ball really well. Like he, There's open touchdowns that have been dropped. A couple of his interceptions weren't his fault. I just think that once they get it going and he starts clicking with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they're going to be a scary team that nobody wants to face. That just about does it. Um, we got the Patriots tomorrow, 1 o'clock versus the Raiders. And then we got the Celtics, 7.30 versus the Heat, game six. Yeah, let's just, you know, hope that our team show up and win. We don't want to see the Celtics go home. And, yeah, I hope you guys all have a good week and continue to listen to us. Yeah, appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you soon. Want you to stop playing, you can get it. Just send me the Addy and I'ma address it.